Welcome to Love the One You Leash podcast, the home for dog lovers around the world. And don't worry, we've got plenty for your feline friends as well. Be informed, be inspired, love the one you leash and discover what matters most to your dog's health and well-being. Proudly presented by Houndstooth. Only the best natural products for your furry friend and the perfect products for your cat as well. Welcome to this week's episode of Love the One You Leash. Today we have our brand ambassador and special guest, Dr. Katrina Warren. Dr. Katrina is one of Australia's most loved and trusted media veterinarians, having appeared predominantly across TV, radio, print and online media for over 20 years. Dr. Katrina has educated millions of people on pet care. Welcome, Dr. Katrina. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Rachel? Oh, I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited to be talking to you today after a weekend in lockdown and I was without my daughter for the first time since we've been in lockdown and it was tough. How are you all going down there mentally? I think it's harder. Do you know, out walking yesterday, I saw quite a few people I knew and I think everyone's feeling it's really tough this time around. I think it's longer. There's this doubt. Are we going to get through it? Are we going to go back down in lockdown? Are we going to be in lockdown for Christmas? It just keeps going. Yes, and I think that people feel a bit ripped off. I think that people did the right thing the first time around and this time it feels like, it was a group of people that weren't doing the right thing that has now caused all of this heartache. And my conversations with friends in Melbourne are very, exactly what you're saying, everyone's just a bit disheartened. Yes. So, you know, we're watching from in Sydney, we're kind of on the edge, but a lot of people here are behaving like nothing's going on, which also upsets me, greatly upsets me. Um, yes. So I think people need to just be very aware that we could all end up exactly where you guys are. Absolutely, because it just escalates so quickly. Yeah, and I think that yeah. that there are going to be studies for years to come about what this has done to people's mental health and yes. how horrific it is. And obviously we couldn't let this virus roam free and, and especially with the healthcare system not set up, but, but the actual consequences of the isolation and people losing their livelihoods and businesses, I think, and, and the impact on kids. You and I both have young girls who are living the most extraordinary year that we we don't have any experience of anything like this before. No, and it, it's coming out of it too. And and both girls have started new schools this year. So it's just, they've had that added uncertainty around a new school. They're not at school most of the time, or, or especially in Victoria. So they haven't got that building of friendships and relationships. And, and even as a mother being um, at a new school, we ha- we're not building those relationships either. It's exactly the same with me. I mean, Charlotte started a new school. We knew one other one other girl that started there. And I'm now, she had just started that independence of catching. She catches two buses to get this, to school and home. And I'm now driving her because I'm not that comfortable to get on public transport. So why would I put my daughter on it? But that's two hours out of my day. I'm not interacting with other parents. We like, you know, all of the meet the, meet the parents, things got cancelled, school yes. camps got cancelled, all of the yes. events. So what a strange time. But... Also, my heart is bleeding for the year 12s and makes me teary just thinking about it. Yes, because we know how difficult that year is and how exciting it is too at the same time. It should be. You should be about to face the best time of your life. Or for me, that, you know, that graduating from high school and, you know, there's no graduation ceremonies. There's none of that joy. So it is a really 
tough time. But one thing I've said a lot of, and I know we've talked about it, is I think the pets are the unsung heroes of this whole year. They are. Maybe they're not unsung, they're celebrated, but I think when the research comes out, those people that have had a pet to lean on are maybe not better off, but I think they've really helped through this time because it's just that unconditional love. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I've been trying to research actually the the numbers of pet ownership that's increased over this time. I've heard a loose figure of something like 900,000 new pets. Now that includes, uh, you know, young pets, puppies, kittens, also includes rescue pets, but it also includes fish, reptiles, et cetera, et cetera. But I haven't been able to get any sort of final numbers. Have you seen any numbers? No, and I guess it will be, you know, when all the registration numbers come out for puppies and kittens, we'll have some kind of idea. But I just know from my work in the 20 something years I've been working in the media, (laughs) 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 in the few years I've been around working in the media, I have never seen a spike in pet ownership as I have at this period of time. One thing which I know that I know it frustrates you as much as me. I think there's an indicator that shows there's a lot more dogs out and about, whether they're all new dogs or not, and that's that's the poo meter. Oh, there's a poo demic going meter. on, Rach. <laughs> poo demic. It was okay when we came out of lockdown the last two weeks. I nearly, I've actually nearly took you a few photos to share with you over the weekend. I thought, what is going on? Yeah, so I, I think it's a combination. with it. <laughs> I think the poodemic is a combination I love it, of poo-demic. Yeah, other people walking the dogs because, because especially this time, your lockdown is really severe compared yeah, to what is, we had yes. last time. So those poor dogs are being dragged out for walks by every member of the family as part of the exercise. So there's dogs that aren't normally getting walked being walked. There's people walking dogs that, you know, they're borrowing dogs. So there's definitely more dog walks going on. But I think there's also an increase in dog ownership. A lot of people have adopted adult dogs as well, which is great for the dogs and it's fantastic. But, yeah, there there does come some management and training issues. And, listen, no one wants to tread in the poo, right? (laughs) It's the worst. But on to nicer things. Yeah, on to nicer things. Many people probably don't know that we both met in the early 2000s. We'll say... Was that 10 years ago or so? We'll we'll just collect it there. (laughs) We were introduced by one of our closest friends at the time and I wasn't working in the pet industry, but I knew you well from watching Harry's practice and just adored Toby. And I was so excited when you agreed to become our Houndstooth brand ambassador. And I'd like to know the reasons behind agreeing to become our ambassador and what things you considered before coming on board. Look, there's a lot of things I consider because, again, being around for a period of time in the media, I've worked with across a number of brands and, and a lot of the work I do these days is with brands because I don't have the TV show, you know, the one big TV show that's all consuming. I work with a lot of different brands and I'm, I'm incredibly fussy about who I work with and the first thing I always ask is, is this a product I would use on my own pets? Um, yes. Because I want to, and that goes for anything. It can go for flea products, food, whatever. Is this a product that I'm happy to use on my pets and that I that I am proud to support. So Houndstooth, of course, well, it's a premium product for one thing. You were behind it, which is also obviously a bonus because it's an Australian business and I know your work ethic. You have a very strong work ethic and we're on exactly the same page about animal care, animal cruelty. I don't want to work with, you know, anything that is promoting animal cruelty but also supporting, I guess, Australian business but with the goal of helping my kind of life motto is... I want to work to help people enhance the bond they share with their pets. And your products 
And I know your backstory and that a lot of them were created around your previous dog with you've had itchy skin issues and there was a passion for trying to solve some of those problems. So for me, we have very similar goals in, in yes. the way we want to treat pets. And we're always, you know, you and I are often messaging each other about things that we are appalled at or things that we love in the media. And that's a big thing for me. So it's who I work with and what the product is. And because it's Australian made, because it's not tested on animals, because you have high quality control and it's a premium product, it just aligns perfectly with my own um my own, I'm just watching one of mine right now, with my own furry <laughs> members and, and yes. you know, my, my own ideals, I guess. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned to you that, at well, all my school life I wanted to become a vet, but I was so obsessed with competing with the horses that I just, you know, something had to give. And unfortunately, I didn't, probably from about year nine, really, I realised that I really had to knuckle down if I was going to do vet science or I kept competing with the horses. So, look, I, I chose the path I, I went and loved it, but it's I always find it interesting that, you know, add-on will just 20 or so years <laughs> and <laughs> I'm working and developing my own products that are helping the health and well-being of pets, which I love. So I've come to perhaps where I wanted to be, but not the path I originally thought I was going to go to get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, which is wonderful. And you still had your love affair with horses, which I do understand as well. So you still managed to have that. And I think it's fantastic because that's really... I think that's what your bottom line is. It is about the health and well-being of animals. And so you would never choose to use a product that wasn't that in the back of your mind. So all of your products from the hemp oil through to your different shampoo lines are all very much on, well, how can this actually help but maintain a high-quality product as well at the same time? And I think that's really important. Yes, agreed. So you currently live with the beautiful Riley, your golden retriever. I do. Your man One one thing I will say is be careful what you name your pets because they do morph into their names. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've and seen it. Yes. They, band, yes. They really do. And Riley came to me. He, he came already named Smiley Riley and it suits him. And, and it that, suits him. It suits him. Look, that dog does not have a mean bone in his body. He has been bullied and beaten up by two cats now. He's so patient, isn't he? Leo, Mr. Fox, my previous cat, who was just such a divine cat, Mr. Fox never really used his claws and teeth. He'd harass him, but it was more plain. Yes. He was a pet, whereas yes. Leo gets a little uh, over the top sometimes and actually sinks the teeth. Like, sinks the teeth. Yeah. You mean cat. Um, <laughs> no, he doesn't deserve it, does he? No, he no. doesn't. And Riley, I mean, I still tear up when I think about Riley came to me through Golden Retriever Rescue and I fostered him for a year to the day and I didn't realise at the time it was a year to the day that Toby had passed away. I fostered Riley. It was just a fluke that they called fluke, me and said, yes. was, yeah. yeah. And I'd said to them at about probably the six-month mark or eight-month mark after Toby had died, I just said, oh, and I knew, you know, the Goldies were a bit, I just knew they had a very sweet personality. I had a little girl at that point and I wasn't ready for a Border Collie. Yes, and they just said, look, we've got this sweet dog that's come in. He's in a really bad condition. He's one of the worst cases of abuse we've ever seen, but he's he's lovely. He's not reactive. He walks nicely on the lead. He's great with kids. He's, he ticked all the boxes before I would consider bringing a dog into a house with a toddler. Yes. And he just never moved out. 
He just went, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm not going. Out, he just sat on that dog bed and he's like, this is pretty good. I'm not going back to the pound. How old was he when you got him? I don't know, probably three or four. So dear old Toby's been gone 10 years now. And so I've had Riley nine and a half years. Right. So I would say he's... 12. He's really slowing down now. He still goes out regularly to Golden Retriever Rescue and I actually think he's sometimes he's happier out there because he's got no cat yeah. and he's got <laughs> he's <in> the claws <laughs> in. <laughs> and, there's, and there's maybe 10 or so other goldies at any time that are out there and they, they're like old men. They hang yes. out and they like yes. eat, a bit of, eat a bit of poo in the paddock and they, you know. Don't get told like, off. <laughs> and it, and he's, I, I'm not kidding, he slips into a pair of uh, pyjamas on arrival because it's quite chilly out there. He gets his little fleecy line jarvies. Oh, yes, I, I saw the photo last time he was there. It's gorgeous. He's just, he's just so happy. And, and so I, I, I go to pick him up and he gets excited to see me and then he runs back to his mates, he doesn't oh, want to come home. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it is sweet. Yeah. So he does have a break sometimes from the, the pesky cat. Um, from, from sleeping I'm, with one eye open. Yes. I'm quite lucky with Leo too. I have an area at my place that's like a really large enclosed courtyard. And so right. Leo, it's great. He can't get out of there. I've had it stitched up so he can't. Um, yes. And he sits out there and he feels like he's in, he's got bamboo and he thinks he's in a jungle, I swear. Um, so I often... Pop him out there. I'm just giving him a pat as we But speak. he can't kill any wildlife, but he thinks he's close to it. That's right. He thinks he yep. is. Occasionally yep. we get a bug or a, or a lizard, but that's oh, yes. about it. And now tell me, what are your favourite houndstooth products to use on Leo and Riley? I think with Riley, my favourite shampoo is the Hugo's Blend. And I think yes. that's because I absolutely love the smell. It's the lemon myrtle, peppermint, peppermint, and I know that it's and it's also soothing. It's the goat's milk and it's coconut oil as well. Um, but it smells delicious to the point where I've tried to talk you into making hand wash with that same fragrance, and no, I think you should. Yeah, I think I should. <laughs> I know. It's so. I was having a smell before. Beautiful smell. Yeah, it really is. So that makes me really happy, the smell, and I enjoy what, barking him with that. And I do sometimes if I've got a shoot, and, for example, after this chat, I'm, I'm rushing off to do a couple of photos with someone in the park and I'll just give him a spruce up with the spray. Yes. The conditioning spray because that smells good too and it helps me. I find that the sprays are very handy for grooming too. It helps pull the, the hair out it really does. quickly. It helps, helps with get the, through. Yes. Yes. It's great yes. with the wonder dogs too. So I should add that I've been having chill the border collie. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a a very beautiful dog share relationship I have with Chili. So Chili is actually one of Kelly's dogs, who's one of the wonder yes. dogs who also work with you yes. guys. Kelly has a lot of beautiful dogs, and she's very well, she busy does, woman. Doesn't she? And yes, <laughs> and she's a very busy woman, and she knew how desperate I've been to have a border collie, but the commitment of a puppy it really is a big thing. And every time I've gone to do it, I think oh. Have I got yes. energy? But, but with Chill, what, what's worked really well is I can give him one-on-one home family city time with yes. Chili and he's been so great for training and having fun and he's a kind of dog that actually really enjoys coming to mine and coming to hers and having them both life. So it's worked so well. And I can't tell you the spring I've had in my step having the Border Collie back in my life. Yeah, they're just beautiful, aren't they? He's just gorgeous. So he's coming back soon. So he comes and goes. People are a bit confused because one minute I've got him, one minute I have it. But he comes and goes. He does make puppies occasionally. So he, he, Yes, yes, he's got an important job. He's there, got it, yeah. He? yeah. 
<laughs> he is a little bit lucky sometimes, actually, yes. but um, he's yeah. just such a beautiful um, boy. So with him, I find that the conditioning sprays are really good because the Border Collies have that undercoat too that you need to get out of them all the time. So much hair, Rachel. I, de- I live in a pit of hair and I'm yes. constantly you're battling that and grooming and vacuuming and someone needs to come up with a better product than a lint roller to just yes, vacuum for the, the for hair the, off your clothes. Yeah, for the clothes. <laughs> like a mini a mini buster thing. Yes. Um, so that would be my shampoo products. I also love, love, love the Houndstooth Marble Bowls. Oh, yes. The, that's the real beautiful. reason I'm working. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the only reason it. I'm working with <laughs> that's you. That's the real reason, oh. isn't it? <laughs> Have you seen our new black bowls? I have seen them. They are absolutely stunning. The yes. white ones work really well in my um, yeah, in gorgeous. My house and and the sizes as well. So I was kind of thinking they were water bowls for a while. But now Leo really enjoys his dry food out of. I've got the smaller one out now. Yes, and um, I wasn't sure about how how good because they're quite deep. But he he loves it. He doesn't have a problem with it. And I've I've tested him with with two different types of bowls, and he's very happy to go for the marble one. To go with it, um, good. Love that it keeps the water cool and, yes. um, yeah, so that is that is the secret reason. Yeah, that's the reason. Yes. <laughs> oh, and treats. I wanted some of your treats as treats. well, endless end yes. supply of the, the clean dog treats. So the chicken ones are particularly useful for me because a lot of the times when people see all these photos that I post all the time and think that, oh, there's Leo and Riley looking so cute, most of the time I've lured them into the photos with a treat. Leo loves the chicken ones as much as Riley and they're quite easy to break up into small pieces. For training, um, yeah, perfect. And Leo, in fact, he did it this morning. I saw him dragging the whole bag of them around the living room, the treats. <laughs> if that, as soon as they're open, it's yeah, all he on. just needs yeah. obsessed with them, yes. Yeah, so the yeah, treats are great. Good. And the other product which I do use too, which I love, is the hemp oil. I think yes. that's a great supplement. I think... Um, I think it's amazing for skin and coat. Yes. I know Kelly uh, mentioned the difference she's seen in the Wonder Dog's coats with the hemp seed oil combined with the shampoo, and you may have noticed the difference in Chill's coat. Yeah, and Riley particularly too. And Riley is getting, you know, it's hard when they get old to watch them, but I, I think I think it's a really, it's a good solid supplement for your senior dogs to have because we know it's you know good for good for skin and coat but also joints joints, joints yes so it's a broad spectrum supplement really it targets so many different things with the inflammation skin and coat so yeah love it and it's so easy to feed it's just yes it is I, you know it is i just pour it on the yes food, so stella great. would drink it out of the bottle if she could she loves it well, so would Riley, but then, yeah. but then again, Riley would eat poo. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, <laughs> the bar is low with Riley. <laughs> now, I'd love to hear more about how you got to where you are today from uh, obviously when you went to vet school. Did you ever think you'd be where you are now? No, I didn't when I started vet school. But I realised halfway through, and that's what's interesting about you saying you wanted to go into vet school, but then you've gone a different path because I realised probably in my last couple of years that I didn't think that working in a vet clinic was the right path for me. I, I don't enjoy surgery. I'm way too fidgety. I'm not, I don't have the patience and you need to be incredibly patient for surgery, incredibly patient. Yes. 
I'm terrible at standing still for long periods of time, so it wasn't really right for me. But also I found that in those days we weren't very prepared for the euthanasia and the human grief. No, We learned yes. nothing at vet school. No one, not even a lecture on pet loss or what it was like dealing with people's pets passing away and having to manage that but also run a business. Nothing, None of that was taught either. So I realised I'm such a crier and I the first three jobs I did as a as a graduate when I graduated were euthanasias and I just cried all the time and I thought this is not for me and I remember I was in the gym looking I was on the treadmill and I looked up and there was the kids show totally wild playing on the screen I was like I could do a show like that maybe they need a vet and so I sent a resume but I sent a resume to a pile of people but I sent a resume to them and long story short is I got a job as a presenter on a kids tv show which was using my vet skills but not really it was all I mean I shouldn't say not really, but it was just all about presenting stories about animals and the environment and it was great. It was the most amazing job I could have had then for that period in my life because it also taught me about production, television production. It started me very gradually. I think everyone now just wants to jump. They just want these overnight profiles and jump to fame because they equate fame with money. Without the work. Yeah, and I wasn't ever driven by fame. I was driven by wanting to do a job that I want to do. Yes. You know, as you get older, I think you're more driven by um, paying off your mortgage and your bills. I think that's yes. I think your priorities, that's a change, priorities change. Yeah. Yes. So I think and when you've got kids, it's all about, you know, setting up, setting them up. But back then in your 20s, it was kind of like I just want to do a job I want to do and then the rest flowed. And so I worked really hard. Totally Well was absolutely brilliant place to start for years because I had to research my own stories I had to produce my own stories you'd learn how it all comes together and that was happy days at Channel 10 you know it was the end of an era it wasn't when the money was freely flowing but it was still there was good budgets and good budgets to work with yeah, yeah and then I got taken across to Channel 7 I got poached to Channel 7 to work with Harry and even back in those days like Harry's practice was a network 7 production it was produced and paid for by 7 there was no sponsors now it would be sponsored all the shows are sponsored changed hasn't it Yes. So, and you know, we had no brand integration or no you know, commitments to brand throughout the show. And it was such a, um, what's the word? It was just a grounded show. I mean, the brief was always two real people doing real information for pet owners. And I think that's why, it, you know, it tapped a nerve and people loved it. Oh, loved it. It had such a huge following. And, and do you think that's where most people recognise you from? Yes, yes. It's interesting. It's hilarious, though, because I get people now that grew up, again, showing the age, but yeah. uh, grew up and they were like, oh, when I was eight years old, I used to sit down and watch Harry's practice. And now I've got children of my own. And it's crazy. It's yes. crazy. But, but, of course, more people used to, people used to be more excited about meeting Toby than me. So yes, Toby right. became a thing. And what was so hilarious when I started at Harry's practice, the brief, Toby was young. I think he was only nine months old. He was still a baby. And so did you have him before you started at Harry's practice? I did. I got him on Totally Wild when I was on Totally Wild because I wanted some new story ideas. I wanted to get a dog. And I thought, if I get a puppy, we can do everything. We can do everything. Toby's vet visits. Toby goes here. So we did. We did this whole series. Toby meets the sheep. Toby goes here. Toby. But... It was only when I hit Harry's practice and they told me very clearly for the first series 
that Toby was not to be a feature or a star. It was all about Harry's dog, Harry's dog. And I was like, hey, man, I want my dog. I was yeah, see, crazy. you want your dog in there too. <laughs> so I'd snip him in and sneak him in. And then, of course, Toby started doing tricks and he just he just hit his prime. I think Border Collies, once they're about from sort of two to ten, they're just amazing. Like Chills amazing. now, like three and a half yeah. or four, I think. And I think that age is just beautiful. So he just blossomed for that show. and. Yes. I didn't realise it, which is why I haven't got it raised another puppy, but how lucky I was that most of my days I could take him with me. Oh, so lucky. On shoots. So, I mean, back then, you know, you'd probably start to expect it more now, but, but even now I think we're still behind other parts of the world. But how lucky to have him there. All, all the time and then all the shoots we'd do and they'd stay in hotels and they'd sneak Toby in and as he started getting a profile, it was so much fun because he was like this superstar and this is why I do understand all the people that have uh, pets that are influencer pets and how yes. excited they get by it get, yes. because it is really fun. <laughs> is. Imagine if he had a profile today, how oh my gosh. he'd probably be, yes, easily yes. one of the global dog, wouldn't he? Yes, he would because he... If he had the vehicle, because because that that mainstream television vehicle really, well, in those days and even now, it really does give you that spotlight. Yes. If you had that vehicle, yeah, and I do miss it. I miss the fun around him. I liked it being about him, and I loved the enthusiasm that people would have, which is the, the same as when I work with the Wonder Dogs. Wonder Dogs, yeah. Is people get inspired to go home and train their dogs, so yes. people will see it and they'll go, oh, "I want to go and do that," and and. You can, I mean, you can hear it in my voice when I start talking about it. I get really excited by that and I love, I love seeing kids, like so many people still on my Facebook and Instagram say, I have a Border Collie because of your Toby and that warms my heart. Oh, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it is. I miss him. Yeah, yes, I know. And Chill has, you know what, Chill has really kind of helped fill a gap there because he's a very similar but different dog to Toby but he's similar in that he has that look at me I'm so amazing yes. and I'm really cute and I know I can yeah, just he's win you got over. That sass. Yeah he's got the full sass and he presents to people if someone sort of doesn't look at him enough then he'll go hang on and then he'll present a trick it'll go yes yes yeah yeah and I just it just makes me laugh I love it so much well, you might not know that my favourite breed of dog has always been a Border Collie. Uh, you so I'm not one. sure how I got to a Staffy, but I, I, growing up on a farm, I watched Border Collies work for, you know, years. Always wanted one. And I did actually have a Border Collie for about three days and I was still living on the farm with mum and dad. And mum and dad said, no, you can't keep it. They thought it was going oh. to be too much work. Oh. So the beautiful little girl, she went back to her breeder's. Uh, and was rehomed, luckily enough. But I just remember yeah. those three days, even around the horse, she was, you know, if I compare it to a staffy puppy that's just like a brick hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> so excited about everything. But this beautiful little girl, she did, you know, I'd go out and I'd lunge the horse. So that's when you stand in the centre and the horse is on the, the long rope going around in circles. This puppy just sat next to my foot for three days, would not get off my heel. And I thought, oh, God, they're so smart. They're so yes. divine. So, yes, I do need one, one, one day. i I destined to have one. Yeah, and look, they are a lot of work, but there's a lot of, I've learned a lot through Kelly, I learned a lot through Toby about the management of them as well. And it's things like, you know, people go, oh, I've got a big backyard, that's great for Border Collie. It's not so much the yard, it's what you do no. with them and how you train them. And 
and Kelly and I talk about this a lot, is that teaching them the off switch. So I can have Chilly. I had him here when it was like torrential rain for four days. And, yes, he would have loved to run, but he's just gone, okay, well, that's not happening and chilled. Whereas some border cottages, if, if you have a dog that's not taught to chill out, they'll be like, got to go, got to go, got to go. And that's when yes. they do the destructive yes. behaviours at home. So there's management and, and teaching them crate time and teaching them, you know, quiet time is just so important and having some tricks up your sleeve to do on, you know, training things to do and, and enrichment things to do with them as well. Yes, and I've realised that with uh, staffies can be very similar, they, but they probably have a high level of anxiety in them. But being like Stella being my second staffie is I treat her very quietly. Everything's calm. Yeah. And even when she's out, you know, she doesn't go to the dog park. She doesn't run. She doesn't chase. She doesn't tug of war. She just, her training's about, you know, the sit, the stay and going for a nice walk and having a good sniff around. But yeah. she's the same. She's quite happy if it, if it was raining all day and she didn't get out for a walk. That's okay. That's yeah. what I do. And I just relax. So, yeah, look, you do, you learn, don't you? You learn to you manage do. different behaviours. But a lot of people, and I think there's going to be a lot of people now that have got adolescent dogs coming out of, you know, the first phase of COVID. Now you've got your second one, but yes. the COVID puppies. And a lot of people think as a young adolescent dog, you need to let them go and burn around with other dogs in the dog park and go crazy. And they learn those behaviours. So yes. you're much better off with the adolescent dog spending that hour that you're letting it run itself ragged, actually walking slowly around the streets, training it to sit. Training, yes, yeah. I would and agree. They can run, you know, when they're older, they can run when you're comfortable that they'll come back. But you don't want them thinking that every time they leave the house, that's they're going to go crazy. They have to, you know, learn to be able to walk around nicely with us as well. Yeah, such good advice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, I'm really interested in how your relationship with the Wonder Dogs evolved. That evolved because I had crossed paths with Kelly a couple of times and we both had a passion for chocolate border collies. And Kelly had a full blood brother to Toby from the same litter. Right, right. So from the same litter she had a puppy. So we knew that we had that in common and that she was a breeder. And then we crossed paths when Toby was getting very old and I'd stopped doing work with him and I said, look, I'm still doing a lot of events and public appearances and I feel lost without a dog because most of my events are much more exciting when I have animals with me. Yes. And so we started working together through all of that and we shared a lot of the same passions and a lot of the same uh, you know, ethics and Kelly's a positive trainer. She only trains with very positive techniques and she's very well respected. So it worked really well. We started doing a lot of photo shoots. I was hosting a show called Talk to the Animals and Kelly would come and provide the dogs. So she would, in some ways it was actually easier because I would work with the animals, but she could be behind the camera telling them what to do. Whereas with Toby, I'd have to do the whole thing. Yes. Our relationship just developed there and we've travelled all over Australia. We And I was speaking to her the other day going, I think we have to actually be realistic here. I don't think we're going to be doing events again for a long time. And no. all the events that we love doing where we do, you know, big trick shows and training demonstrations have all been cancelled. So the dog lover show, I mean, the cat lover yes. show, which we were going to as well, but a lot of the council events and family days, they're all cancelled. And I was like, when are we ever going to be able to go somewhere and have people come up and pat the dogs again? I don't know. Yeah, we used to go to nursing homes sometimes and age care. And so that stuff brings me so much joy and it brings the people that come so much joy. But, yeah, well, where do we go with it from there? I don't know. 
Absolutely. And that, that brings me to my next discussion point was how do you think the pandemic will change your profile and the way we work with pets and engage with people moving forward? I, it's still evolving. I think that what we learned was pets, everyone, you know, there's a lot online. So from, from a work point for me, like all my events closed up, but all of the online companies and people I work with, like you, for example, you know, people are still buying online and the pet yes. industry is thriving. But from that touchy-feely experience, so when I mean, you know exactly what it's like at those dog lover shows, people yes. want to come around, pick up products, talk they to you. Do. and and that's different to a concert where you can effectively have every second seat and people coming yes. in spaced yes. out. You can't do those. But but I'm such a promoter of the power of patting pets and how it gives you a smile and it you know reduces your blood pressure. And I yes. don't I don't know the answer, Rachel, because I don't know when we come out of this until there's a vaccine. But even when there is, I think a lot of people have changed the way they're going to interact with other people. I think so. Yes, and and look, it is unknown at, at this stage. But you're right. The, you know, the dog lover show is a good example, and so many people. It's engaging. So you yeah, know, we talk to thousands of people throughout the each day about our products, about their love of their dogs, and there's not the opportunity to do that anymore, or not at the moment. And and how's that going to be managed? I don't know. And, you know, even the other day, so Sydney, we're not on your restrictions, but we were meant to go to a, a pet opening for something. And we kind of stood back and the company, everyone was sort of on the same page. But we sort of stood back and went, you know, at the moment we've been discouraged from groups altogether. So even if you're socially distancing and even if 50 people came down and you kept them, I still feel like it's irresponsible to say, hey, come on down yes. and yes. bring people together. So we've we've cancelled that. So yes. what does it mean? I don't know. I know that we're looking at doing more things online with the Wonder Dogs. Is it the same experience? It's not, but I miss working with them too. I, I love it. It's affected so many industries and I think a lot of like we can sort of go oh events are taken out but then you forget well actually all the dog events are taken out like all the people that do go to dog clubs and have I was talking to someone the other day dog shows as well especially you know around Victoria things you know that the breeders that the showies love they just they're not and they don't and or they do like I was speaking to someone the other day who said oh they go to dog trials but then they're sent they're not allowed to hang around and chat they have to go and sit in the car and wait for the results but but it's it's a hobby you go there yes, for that's the social right. yeah it's you the do social. you and, do and the interaction and to watch the other dogs work yeah you know it's yeah it's and for me all those events too are a social thing because I do a lot more work online now too as I know you do as a lot of many people but it's much more boring right who, who oh, wouldn't absolutely. rather be playing with playing with the wonder dogs and sitting here typing up a you know whatever yes. um so so many things have changed I don't know I mean I will say that one thing that if it has come from this is I think that people I have always every year during winter said why don't people have a basic understanding of hand hygiene and coughing regarding the flu and colds that's my yes. one positive I've gone well people actually seem to get it a little bit more now so yes. I'm hoping that, you know, I think the flu season has been reduced. I think that hopefully there's less transmission of the common cold and people think a little bit more. I think wearing the mask has helped. I mean, we, we've seen countries like uh, Asia that where people wear masks as soon as they're sick, yeah, have a sniffle, they'll put the ma- their mask on and it's yeah. worked. And I think we will see that continue yeah, uh, as a preventative measure. And then I wonder if it'll... 
I think some people will adopt that during those winter months when flu season's high, that maybe this is a way that I can also protect myself with the mask, obviously washing the hands and good hygiene. I think there was a lot of mixed messages. Well, there's a lot of mixed messages all the way through about a lot of this. Yes. And I think that might also be why people are just really, and even in Sydney, I'm not, people are really over it. Like I, I know a lot of people that are just like, oh, you're kidding, I'm not wearing masks. I think we had mixed messages about masks. I think that they weren't really sure about no. lots of mixed messages about transmission and what was the most important transmission. And we now, it appears that, you know, it, it is the most transition is coming out of your mouth more than from, yeah. Touch, so yes. my my take on that is as a responsible person is that, well, if me wearing it can stop me projecting anything onto any other person, then it's worth it. And that's what I couldn't understand. I was going, if, if it's got the chance to stop one case a month, well, why aren't we wearing well, it? We're trying, we doing we're trying it? to, yes. yeah. Yeah, um, you're right. It's been a very um, unclear message. And even now, uh, I think, you know, Victorians, we, we have to wear it. And I certainly don't know anyone that opposes it. In, in the people that I deal with. But, yeah, it, I mean, it was so contradictory to what came out initially. And I know that we're learning as we're going along. It is interesting. And look, dealing with people in Sydney, and I have to shut my mouth sometimes from not saying things. I bumped into someone yesterday that I knew who basically said, oh, we were meant to do something, but, um, you know, I've got a cold, my daughter's got it too, but it's not COVID. And I went, how do you know that? Yes. I said, how do you how do you know? After all the news and everything, she goes, "Oh well, it's just a bit of a sore throat." And I said, "But after everything we've seen about everyone getting tested with the most small sign, how with can no people, symptoms, or no symptoms?" <laughs> yes. And I was kind of like, "Well, you could at least maybe put a mask on and maybe pop off to the test or whatever." And she goes, oh, "I don't know. We'll be right." And she just walked off. And I thought, "Yes." Oh. So but that's, that's the Australian culture, isn't it? The she'll be right. Yes. yes. I know we we certainly spoke a lot about it before before it really took off in Australia. Both you and I were speaking and watching it, thinking this could really escalate. Yeah, and that that the anxiety around that that sort of first week, I can remember having three nights. I'd wake up, you know, three o'clock in the morning with this anxious feeling about, okay. Well, how bad is this going to get? What if I contract it? You know, as a single parent, you've got this yes, fear that what if I get sick? What do I do with my daughter? What I if she hope. gets sick? How will she cope without me being with her? Oh, and this this unknown, I think, thank goodness as time's moved on, I can see that it's, a man, you know, personally it's manageable. If you can protect yourself and protect others, then we can manage it. But um but there is, is a fear, isn't there? There are people, I mean, I sat in the, I got my hair coloured the other day and my hairdresser has been paranoid because they've been in Sydney the whole way through, you know, hairdressers were allowed to stay open. I yes. think it's just this time you've had lockdown. And, yes, and she was really stressed. My hairdresser was really stressed because she's like, and, and she was, you know, doing masks and scrubbing everything. But she said, does anyone know anyone that's, that's actually had coronavirus? And the woman, there was only one other person. That she, she only has one of us coming in one leave. And she goes, yeah, yeah, my cousin died. Bang, oh, in Australia, first one of the first people off one of the cruises. And when you hear that, you just go, you know, we really have to take it seriously. Yeah, you do have to yeah. take it seriously. Yeah, it yeah. brings it into reality, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah. does. And now you've had a little project in the last couple of weeks where you've been custom printing oh. face masks, which we've we've had, loved to be involved with, with our social influencers. I can't wait to see all of those masks come out with our little ambassador dogs 
on them. How has that gone for you? Your ambassador dogs, I love them, by the way. They're great. I love it. I get messages from Dave the Beagle and all of these (laughs) things. This just started purely as not so much a joke but as a little bit of fun with a girl that I've known uh, called Brit for quite a while, not knowing her well, but I knew that she did printing of personalised pets onto swimmers and towels. She donated some items earlier in the year. And then I phoned her and said, oh, do you think we could do personalised masks where you put your pets on masks and she did a whole lot of inquiries and the issue is of course getting anything made in Australia is really not as cheap as overseas but I didn't want to do it if we didn't do it in Australia so we've managed yeah totally totally want to support local and I just I just don't want to go offshore for something like this. And so then we looked at their health regulations. And long story short, we found a beautiful printer up in Sydney and we're now making these customised pet masks and it's gone a little bit crazy. It's kept me very busy the last couple of weeks. (laughs) Well, that's good. Yes, and your ambassador dogs should have theirs any second, actually. So there'll be some cool pooches' parents walking around. Absolutely, and I can't wait. I've got one coming with Stella. I can't wait to walk around with Stella on my face. People smile at me wearing it and I think, are they smiling because it's cute or do they just think I'm a complete nut of weirdo? It does make me smile and I think that is really probably why they've been so popular. Some of the photos people have sent through of their cats are hilarious angry hilarious cats. yes I've seen what was the grumpy. one um the recent grumpy. one you showed me with the grumpy face and it's almost got the cat's got his yes, top lip curled that's Sam Mac he's the he's the sunrise weatherman that's Sam Mac's cat and it's his photo that he wanted it's a classic so, so that's funny it is a classic it is yeah. yes we've we've yeah. done a couple of horses and there's I saw a ferret just come through as oh, well and okay a cockatiel. oh well that's been a fun project Look, it has. It's been unexpected and it's one of those things where you sort of go, wow, this is actually really quite fun and it's giving me a lot of joy to get them out of the setup. It took a bit of time to actually figure it out properly and so we've had a bit of a delay time. That's another thing in Australia, trying to get things, you know, streamlined, but we're on it now. And um, now it's quite fun and I think as more and more people are getting used to the fact that masks are going to be around for a while, I think we are going to have a few of them, everyone, in our cupboards. Yes, and, and you know, would have thought, who would have loved that? Yeah, but who, who, yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> it could go into what next? T-shirts? Well, coming soon, bandanas that match. Yeah, the so bandanas you, you, are beautiful. So, You've got to do that. Well, they're coming. So you, so you can match. Your dog can wear the bandana and you can, yes. you know, wear the mask. Yes. But, but maybe the dog wants your face on the bandana instead of theirs. Yeah, that would be funny. We, we've <laughs> considered doing some play masks with the matching bandana as well. That I've seen a few around and I think they're gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's, that's, that's next. Yeah, that would be quite funny having your own face on your dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw my post of Leo because the one I did with Leo was a stink eye photo because he's always glaring at me and I thought now you can just stare back at yourself. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. This is what you look like. Now, um, I'd like to have a quick chat about the future of companion animals in Australia and where you see our rights going as as pet owners. If If you look, for example, to the US where Pets seem to have human rights there. They're allowed to travel on planes, trains, automobiles, in many hotels. Do you think we're heading that way in Australia? 
I think we are embracing pets as part of the family and I think that pet owners are slowly getting more rights where it comes to maybe rental properties. But for some reason, I don't know why Australia has always had so many rules around pets and I think while we might gain a little we are also losing, you know, we're losing off-leash dog areas, you know, we're losing some of the off-leash beaches. Yes. I don't know, well, I don't know if we're ever going to have planes again, but I don't know. Yeah. That way. <laughs> <laughs> Am I ever Fingers going to crossed. see you again, Rachel? Yes, no. Um, but I don't think that we're going to get to a place, unfortunately, where you can take your pet on a plane with you, which I wish that you could. I think most pet owners would be happy to pay more for a ticket to have their pet. Obviously, if it can be confined, it needs to be yes, size. Yes. You know, I wouldn't take Riley on board with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to see that. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think that more accommodation I know I've been I've seen a lot more pet friendly houses and those kind of you know that kind of accommodation become available so I think yes we're going to gain some but then we're also going to have more rules we love our rules yes yes we do but America loves their rules they love their rules but yet they seem to accept pets as part of the family or part of what's going to happen yeah it's interesting yes yeah it is interesting and I, I look I mean there's parts of Europe that obviously do as well it is interesting, even the pet-friendly hotels in Australia. I know, okay, you're allowed to have your pet in the room, but you're not allowed to leave the pet unattended mm-hmm. in the room. And then if you're walking through the lobby or anywhere near a food area, then the pet's not allowed or you have to carry it out to outside. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I just hope that changes for the better and there's a more relaxed approach to including pets in your life. Yes. Well, we all hope that. Yes. I think that we're embracing them more and I think, like I said, I think after COVID we're going to realise that they are very, very valued members of the family. And that's really shifted, I think, in the last 20-something years that I've been working in the media. (laughs) One more time. But um, that's shifted too. I think now they are, you know, I mean, often they are called the fur kid or the, you know, the baby family. Some people don't have human kids and they, you know, they treat their pet as their own kid. And I think that's accepted now. But, um, yeah, unfortunately it can still be quite difficult to take them places. Yes, it can. Mm. And so so what future trends do you see emerging within the pet industry? I think there'll be more pet travel coming up. Yes. I think that that, and I think that everyone is doing road trips, so there's going to be more road trips catered to pets. What there has been a big shift in as well is there's been a change in the types of pets that we're getting. There's been a huge spike in popularity of the oodles. Yes. And I understand a lot of that is because of the low shedding hair. and the size of the dog and I do understand that and that unfortunately now during the whole COVID time that there's been such a demand that the prices for oodle puppies are just out of control and ridiculous yeah and a lot of these puppies are just breeding in breeding breeding facilities so I think that there'll be a shift there's always these kind of fads there was a big fad around the french bulldogs yes of which they're really sweet lovely dogs but they can have terrible breeding yeah, they can have, yeah really bad and problems really bad problems if they're not bred properly and people paying money to have them you know shipped around the country and then they've just got terrible issues yes. um so i guess there'll be some trends around pets it's interesting that 
as one pet gets priced really is, is expensive, like the oodles are expensive, then people were looking. We've talked about this too, different breeds. Like the, suddenly people were interested in the Legato. Legato is, yes. Water dog. Yes. And I think they were like, oh, they're really expensive and they're less expensive, so I'll go that path. But what I say to everyone is it's just do your research that it's the right dog for your circumstance Mm -hmm. but more importantly make sure you can actually visit that breeder's home and be comfortable with the breeding conditions of that dog you don't want it to be coming out of the facility and also you want your puppy to be raised in a home so if those puppies aren't raised in a litter and so so to raise a puppy properly in a home that breeder should really only be doing a couple of litters of puppy a a year a year yes so those breeders that have always got puppies, it's very, you know, where are they being where raised? Where are they? Co- yeah, so, that's right. And it's very yeah. hard at the moment to actually visit breeders. Just, you know, obviously yes, we can't in Victoria, but I flew over to South Australia to see where Stella was bred, even though she was from the same line as Hugo, but it was a, it was the, the male line was Hugo's line, but the bitch was over in South Australia. So I jumped on a plane and went over and, I mean, she was, she was a, baby and she was you know yeah couldn't really see personality but I really wanted to visit that home I wanted to meet the people yeah. I wanted to meet the bitch I wanted to see how she was with the with the her pups and yeah that, that, well, that's the way I've always purchased animals or bought animals but it's difficult to do that for some people especially right now it is difficult and it's very frustrating. Temperament is, part, you know, is partly yes. inherited. It's really important and so are medical issues. So do your research. And if you're going to, you know, end up getting a dog where you don't know where it's come from, think about adopting a little animal from a shelter instead. But even with that, Rachel, because of the way that there's been an increased demand for any pet, people still have to match themselves to the right dog out of a shelter and that's a massive mistake as well. So you need to spend time with that animal and not feel sorry for it to make sure that it's the right one for your for your lifestyle. You need to take the emotion out of it. Uh, and yeah. I always think if you're in a family, you need to go and see that puppy or that dog without the children. Yeah. Take all the emotion out that you can and you're right and try and make the, the right decision for what you think is going to fit into your family. Did you see on the news last week the um, gentleman that had tried to purchase a puppy from Gumtree and was unfortunately scammed? It makes me so upset <laughs> that yes. firstly that people feel like that's the way to go. But I know, look, I know people that I know many people that have purchased puppies from you know impulse buyers or from Gumtree. But I would just say to anyone that is listening is please don't buy your puppies from Gumtree. You need to be able to see your puppies before you buy them. You need to go to the place. And if they cannot let you go to the place where the puppy is bred, and I know this is difficult now in COVID time, but you wait, wait for your wait. puppy. Wait, yes. this this yes. will ease. It will ease. I know we, we're joking about it. it's never going to ease, but it is going to ease and it is worth waiting for the right animal. Yes. And what's your feeling about ensuring the puppy breeder is able to provide papers? Well, again, it depends, doesn't it, really on if you're getting an oodle or what you're getting because there's this whole pile of different dogs that what needs to be understood is they're not really a purebred dog. They're They're not a breed at all. So an oodle is not what we call a breed, but lots of people will say, oh, my dog is a this, that's what it's a breed is. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you can't get papers off a lot of them. With the, you know, the purebreds, what I say is go to the governing body in your state of pet ownership 
So go through your dogs, Victoria, whatever, and ask for a list of at least get the registered breeders. Just because a breeder is registered doesn't mean that they are an amazing breeder, but it means that they have gone through X amount of steps, right? And then you want to make an appointment. So those breeders should ask you as many questions about you as you want to ask about them. So you want to get the vibe that they actually have this dog's best interest, you know, at stake. They want to care where their puppy goes to. The people that are just like, yeah, I've got got five puppies, I'll come and get them, probably don't have the right ethic. No. And, look, I I always, if I can, if they're willing to give me a referral of someone that also has their puppies. Yeah. I will speak to people that have had their puppies in the past or currently got one of their puppies too. That's a great idea. So in closing, we have our Q&A, so we get to know a little bit more about Dr. Katrina. What is your first memory of your love for animals? I can't remember not loving animals. Probably my Labrador getting his mouth stuck together with a red skin lolly at my birthday party is my first memory of being around animals and <laughs> loving, loving them. But my first, I used to drag animals home all the time. I used to just, I was very lucky that my parents um, embraced my love for animals, so I can't remember a time without them. What is your favourite thing about your job? Definitely seeing the joy that pets bring to people of all walks of life. Yeah, gorgeous. What have dogs taught you? I would like to be one of my dogs where you worry about nothing and you live in the moment and life is pretty good from day to day for a dog. They wake up every morning with the same level of enthusiasm about the day. Oh, don't they? Very rare to see a dog in a bad mood. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, and I, and I love that. You know, there are occasional grumpy dogs, but I, um, I love the enthusiasm that dogs have. And I just love that. Yeah, they live in the moment. I don't think they stop and think about oh, we might die next year or this is no. stressful. Yes. I mean, Riley, Riley might stop to think about where he's going to find his next poo to eat, but that's yes. about it. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever asked the dog if they want to go for a walk and they've said, uh, no, yeah. can't be bothered. <laughs> No, although there might be a few COVID dogs in this, in this era that are saying, please don't call me again. Yeah, I don't want to, I want to sleep. Oh, yes. <laughs> what about cats? What have cats taught you? That they really, do you think that they rule the world? That they can be as arrogant as they like and get away with it? But they also are incredibly loving and wonderful company. But I do think that they secretly are trying to plot to remove us. <laughs> Except Burmese. I've had, uh, <laughs> I've had Burmese and they think they're dogs. I'm yeah, sure. I shouldn't be. I'm sure. I, I, I shouldn't be like that. My other cat, my Millie, was the sweetest, oh, yeah, she was girliest. She was the most gentle, sweet cat. It's my own choice to have got two Maine Coons who really, they are next level on the ownership of the house. Yes. Basically. I mean, if he could take secretly sign off my take my mortgage or cut my house away from me, he would. <laughs> would. Does he does he know he's part of your will? No. Well you, you bring something home, you walk in with anything. It could be a box or a bag or anything, and, and they're just like, Oh, thanks, what did you bring me? Thank you. Yeah. Everything is theirs, basically. Yeah, yeah. Ownership. Ownership. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about training dogs and puppies? I find it very rewarding because you both get really enthusiastic 
from it. So yes. dogs generally enjoy doing training and I enjoy training when you start to see results and you have fun. So I, I, I find the whole process of spending one-on-one time with the dog is extremely rewarding and it is that thing where you just, that little bit of time makes a massive difference to your relationship. Oh, doesn't it? It just increases yeah. the bond. Different to taking them for a quick walk or, or a run. Just, just I, having that, that mental interaction with them and, and they like, love to please us, don't they? They really do and particularly the Border Collies because they're, what's fun with them is that when Chill, you can see him trying to figure out what, what it is, like, what is it, what is it, what is it and then sometimes he'll offer you different things going, is this going to get my treat, is that going to get my treat? <laughs> so smart. Riley a little, Riley very pretty but a little more simple than Chill so he's happy with just the basic training. Just the basics. Yeah. And what's your favourite trick to teach your dogs? Look, the party favourite's always got to be the bang trick, right, where you do the stick them up and then you shoot yes. them and they, they fall dead. That's always my fave. Yeah, it is a good trick, isn't it? Yeah. Quite difficult and, to teach. Oh, it's okay as long as you do it in steps. Break it down. So you, teach, yes. you break it down so you start on the ground level, so you start teaching them to lie on their side and stay, lie on their side, then you do it from a sit to the down to the side and then you do it, start doing it in steps. Yes. And then um, I was doing it with Chill recently and because he does a really cute sit pretty where he'll sit up on his back legs so then I was teaching him to go up, then down, then onto his side and then you slowly bring it all together. So how long would it take? Obviously a Border Collie is going to learn a lot quicker than a Staffy or <laughs> Riley. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say, Staffies are quite intelligent. They just can't contain their excitement. About everything. They're exuberant. It's exuberant. <laughs> yes. and, and there's an age thing as well. The younger dogs are always much more, you know, enthusiastic. Look, yes. it's, a, it's sort of a five, five, four or five days with the bang one, but again, it's the pieces. So so with Chill, for example, he already knows how to lie down and, and stay. And so I was working on that too. Because when, when you say stay or play dead, he's got to learn that that actually means you've got to keep your head on the ground. So there's, yes. there's all those different steps. But with him, it was kind of like a four or five day little job. And with, you know, a dog at home, you could do it in seven days. If that's what you do twice a day, you spend 10 minutes on it twice a day. Dogs are a bit like kids too. Their concentration yes, that's doesn't a last limit. for long. Yes. Yeah. So you do short bursts of training. Yeah. They're quite, well, really, they're quite easy to train in, in, if you're consistent. Like if you Correct. think it's only, it could only take you that long, whereas it can take years to train a movement in a horse. Now, what's the naughtiest thing one of your pets has done? Gosh, Toby chewed up my flatmate's entire futon mattress. That was good. And I, I looked in their room, I could just see they had kind of these glass doors that crossed their courtyard and I was like, what's all that? It looks like snow. What is that in their room? And it was the entire king-size futon. And just, just shredded it. Yeah. He'd had a really, really fun time. I bet. How long would he have taken to do that, do you think? Well, I had said to them, make sure you don't leave him unsupervised in the house with access to rooms, but they, he'd had a good few hours in the house yes, with the door right. open. So I, I don't know, but he didn't, there was no fluff left untouched. So it was. <laughs> How old was he? Was he still oh, fairly six young? Six months, five, yeah, six, six months, yeah, yeah. prime, prime yeah, age. Prime yeah, prime time, prime time. Yeah. Every Border Collie puppy has to do something like that. Yeah, something crazy. Yes. Yeah. Did I hear a story? Am I right to think that maybe Toby and Hannah, the um, yes. Sue's dog, might have eaten a, a cake Gingerbread or something? House? Yes. No, yes. That was, that was the night before Christmas. Christmas. That's and it. 
<laughs> our mutual friend Sue was looking after Toby for me because I wasn't there. I don't know where I was. And she foolishly, I mean, really was her fault and all, had wrapped up a gingerbread house for her nephews and came home and it was, she actually put it she in She put it under the tree, had and she? under the tree. Yes, okay. And came home and it was shredded and there was a vomit and <laughs> oh. a wee. There was everything, everything under the tree waiting I for bet. her. <laughs> nice present for yeah, Merry Christmas, Santa. Sue. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah. But she hasn't yeah. done that again. No, no, neither was. I don't think Toby was invited back for Christmas after that. No, no, the two mm. naughty children. Mm. Uh, so, what's the craziest thing that one of your pets has eaten? Oh, crazy, or would you like gross on that? No, let's go gross because <laughs> I think I know where the story's going. <laughs> I don't think anyone can beat mine, can no, they? I don't know that no. they can. Don't know. Um, well, it was my flatmates who came out of their room very sheepishly and said that oh, Toby ate their used condom. Oh. Oh. I don't know where you go from that. I don't know where, do you where go? do you go. You asked the question. I it was did. pretty. Did you have to wait for it to pass? Yep, yep, it, it passed. Yep. Yep. It passed. Luckily it passed right through and wasn't dangling from his bottom or anything, but um, it, it did pass. So, yeah. Thank goodness it passed. Yeah, this too shall pass, and it did. So whew. yes, oh, they do eat some gross things. You got to be very careful with your young dogs. They get into all sorts of horrible yeah, things. Yeah, they do, and they don't. They just don't realise. Oh, all right. Next question, and last but not least, if you had the attention of the doggy world for just ten seconds, what would you say? Okay, this is with my vet hat, my responsible hat on. I would say that it's wonderful that we love our pets. As they are, as children, and they are our fur kids. But just remember that they are a different species to us. That was it. It was a very boring answer, but it's very important because very I think true. that we humanise our pets too much. Uh, we do forget that they have different needs to us, and I think you've just got to remember that these cute, fluffy little dogs are still dogs, so they have dog yes. instincts. And yes. I'm going longer than ten seconds now, but that's my message, Rachel. Very strong message and a very good one. Yep. Well, thanks, Dr. Katrina. Loved having you on the our podcast, Love the One You Leash. If you would like to find out more about Dr. Katrina, then visit our ambassador page on our website, www.houndstooth.com.au. And until our next episode, Love the One You Leash. Thank you for listening to Love the One You Leash, proudly presented by Houndstooth. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. Find out more about who we are and what we do at houndstooth.com.au.